0: 5627 take 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 back one
1: Welcome back to the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 55. Hope you guys been digging the tracks. Like I said, it's going to be a little different this episode. Going to be doing a little DJ music, Dan the Automator, some beta band stuff, a little mix of everything. I think I got a little... Uh, Scratch pickles, influence stuff in there as well. But let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew podcast, volume 55. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to go to our website, bodegabordercrew.com for news, merch, links to other stuff. You know the deal. And lastly, make sure to check out the episode description on your iTunes player for track listings and things that we're talking about. So this episode, I decided to interview Roisin Carolyn. And Roisin, it's from Australia, and a lot of people have been telling me to interview her. She's an amazing surfer. She's done the duct tape, she's done the relic, she's done a bunch of other contests. She does a lot of work with McTavish. Just like Chano, they work on boards together a lot and come up with models that fit their individual style of surfing and the waves that they're surfing. And I love the McTavish boards. I always say that one of my favorite boards I've ever surfed is a McTavish involvement. But anyway, here's a little interview I did with her down in Dana Point. Hope you guys dig it. What's your name and where are you from?
2: I'm Roshane Carolyn. I'm from Byron Bay in Australia.
1: And is that where you were born and raised? or?
2: I was born in Manly and then when I was 12, me and my family moved up. We live actually in the hinterland uh-huh. in, um, near Bangalore. It's called Binnaburra. Okay. Yeah.
1: And how did you first get into surfing and what age was that?
2: I was about 10 and I was doing like nippers. I don't know if you guys have nippers here, but it's like surf, like the clubbies. Okay. And so you do it when you're young, but then I like hated all the running on the beach. I just wanted to do the board. Uh huh. And then, so yeah, I asked for a surfboard. I just kind of like did a few lessons. And yeah.
1: Where was that at?
2: In Manly. In Manly. Yeah. And then when we moved to Byron, I guess like that's when I started longboarding because like the pass and what it goes, it's just longboard.
1: Well, so you were first like on like shortboards or whatever you could get your hand on kind of at first?
2: Yeah. Well, like the Northern beaches, like it's definitely good for longboarding occasionally, but surfing in front of the, like the beachy at Manly every day, you want a shortboard.
1: Yeah. It's that kind of way Yeah. Yeah. So what age were you at that you moved to Byron?
2: Uh, 12
1: 12 and what just because it's more of a longboard break but who was the who were the people who kind of got you into that at first
2: um my dad actually he started to surf so he got a longboard he got like a big 10 footer uh-huh. so he started like after I started just so he could be in the water with me and then I just started borrowing his board and I was like shit this is really fun <laughs> and so then like I guess he bought me a Mao and then after doing a few contests because I was like in the local club uh-huh um I got a, a, a McTavish board oh and nice. then they kind of like taught me a lot
1: the McTavish people
2: yeah like and growing up surfing with them was sick
1: so who were some of the people from the McTavish group that you were surfing with
2: um I got to surf with, like, Ray Gleave a lot. Chono. Oh, wow. That was, like, more when I was, like, 15, 16. But then they definitely, like, shaped the way I look at longboarding now. hmm And, like, I think definitely shaped my style a bit.
1: uh uh-huh.
2: Helped shape it. And they it, taught me to, like, drop knee.
1: And there you go. <laughs> um, how often have you been coming to the States? Like, when was the first time you came? What age?
2: I think I was... Seventeen or eighteen, um, and it was Worms Worm Dreams Big, like the, the her contest, uh-huh. her invitational at Malibu,
3: uh-huh.
2: and so she invited me, and um, and then I'd never been. She was like, I'll pick you up from the airport. You can stay at mine, like,
1: so chill. Fully kidding me <laughs> out. And so like,
2: I'd never met her. Got off a flight at like LAX, and she was waiting, uh-huh. and then yeah, just spent like a few weeks here. that malibu contest and had the best time i've kind of just been coming back like maybe twice a year since
1: then oh nice yeah um coming from australia have you know for that many years have you noticed this uh this australian longboard influence happening now like in california
2: um i don't know for me i think there's still like I don't know, that's a hard question.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just something that like, a lot of shapers are moving. I
2: think there's a lot of shapers that you're seeing some of their boards pop up here more and like McTavish, they definitely want to start bringing boards over, but it's expensive. But it's like, I think it's cool when like, like Thomas surfboards, he came over and shaped some. Yeah, he made me one. Yeah, so it's cool when like they come over and there's definitely a, a big difference in boards.
1: But I'm just saying, like, there's a big influence now. Like, for, at least I'm seeing it where it's that style of board is starting to pop up more and more in California. Yeah. Like that kind of like like bladeier, wide point back. Yeah. Pulled in nose, you know. Yeah. Going back to that involvement. Involvement, board, yeah. Which is kind of cool to see. Like, yeah. Like I know when I first started getting into longboarding, it was still that like wide nose, like Nueva style, like Model T nose rider, like fucking fat ass nose. And now yeah. you even when you go to San O now. Which you technically shouldn't be riding these pull-the-nose boards. They're still everyone's, like, the nose is just going in and Yeah, in and out, yeah. Which is cool. Um, but, and, like, a place like Blackies, you see it a lot, like, beach breaks and stuff. I don't think you would have seen that maybe even ten years ago. Really? Yeah.
2: I don't know. I I don't really notice
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. How did you get into competitive uh, longboarding? Was it back home, or was it that worm contest?
2: Uh, no, I've been competing since I was, like... Probably twelve.
1: Uh-huh.
2: I was in like a just a surf club. Uh-huh. And then I was actually doing shortboard contests to start. Oh okay. Yeah. And then there was like I don't know, I just think like from being in the board riders club, they like kinda of get you to do contests mm-hmm. and they like you do like weekends away so it's like always a fun trip. And then like obviously you make heaps of friends so it's like Yeah i don't know it's just like a good weekend or week away and so i used to try and do as many as i could
1: uh-huh. yeah
2: get time off school
1: no if i mean if your parents <laughs> are chill with it it's like yeah. kind of awesome i don't know how i i'm gonna feel when if that day comes with my my daughter there's gonna probably me is gonna be the one that's like take her out of school my wife's gonna be like no so nah the, i <laughs> think it's
2: good we'll be doing much worse things
1: yeah no well that's <laughs> see that's how i explain it to everybody else I'm yeah like, please like you know like in a day and age of like social media and bullying like if she's yeah. out in the water i'd rather her do that yeah you know like hey you could go to like go to this contest for a month or so i don't give a <laughs> shit it's fine i fine <laughs> uh you recently didn't you do the did you do the wsl contest
2: i did the one at nusa but i didn't do the ones overseas spain and yeah and
1: um and then where you didn't do the relic did you
2: oh i did do the Relic. you did yeah i kind of egged out in the first heat which was good. But you got
1: your money. I got you, my money. I think a lot of people are kind of like, hey, listen, like, first round clown, you still walk away with a good amount of money. I was
2: so bummy <laughs> because I didn't need, like, a big score. Uh huh. And, um, it was kind of big and, like, a bit washy and super onshore by the time my heat was on. Uh huh. And I should, like, I could have worn a leash, but. No. I didn't want to do it, no. I couldn't do it and then in like the last five minutes I like needed like a four or five or something and I was like I can do it like, yeah. it's mellow. and then this huge set came and I just like tried to bounce over the top of it and just couldn't hold onto my board and oh. it just went all the way in and I was just like what, like that sucks I hate like losing a board not surfing like if I was yeah, like yeah, on yeah. the nose and doing something sick and I lost it I'd be like fair. Yeah. But I was like, oh.
1: (laughs) Just holding it. Yeah, trying to get through a wave. Like, not fun. Not worth it.
2: But that's cool. I was glad I
1: did my thing and wrote a log. Yeah, and that's like a pretty big contest. I know there's been a lot of controversy around it, but like, look, at the end of the day, if you guys can make a little bit of cash by surfing trestles for like an afternoon, who gives a shit, right?
2: Yeah, no, it's mellow. Yeah. I think the only weird thing was they separated, like, after Malibu... There was only one division for men and women at malibu yeah but then after it they did like a classic division and then a high performance Uh division for the men's but not the women's which was weird which is weird i was just like i don't know i thought the difference between the logging and high pro was like just as prevalent in the women's as the men's
1: i think actually more yeah
2: and then they didn't give it to the girls i was like
1: Level. I think, I mean, if you ha- if I had to take a guess, I think that's the last contest they did. Yeah. I think that's it. The I experiment think... did not work. <laughs> <laughs> like, it has not, I mean, it has not been accepted by the surfing community locally here. Um, I know. And, <laughs> and it's definitely, like, no one gives a shit, and it's kind of like, every time they make a misstep, it's like, I mean... Just to put it this way, C J was involved the whole time, and he decided to go to Israel during this one. So that kind of says everything. Oh, <laughs> Like he wasn't. Drama. Oh, he wasn't even <laughs> here. He's like, I'm not, I don't even want to witness this firsthand. He's like, I've gone on vacation, <laughs> which is good. Which is good. Oh um, so with Mctavish, you're like basically like one of their team riders. Yeah. Um, and so you work with them on uh, models for yourself, correct?
2: Um, I, I kind of just ride the nose rider model, and then just like. Change the dimensions, so it's like it's still the same model, but just change the dimensions slightly. But um, Chono's been changing the models a lot lately. Like oh, really? Yeah, and he's got he's been I don't know what he's been working on a lot, like a new beatnik. Uh huh. Which is really fun. I tried it the other day.
1: And what's that board like?
2: It's I guess he's trying to make a a kind of functional more. I don't know. I wanna say high performance log.
1: So what, like a little edge in the tail?
2: Heaps of edge. It's really? like, it's like kind of got like plastic machine like influence. It's I oh, can't Lord. even explain it.
1: But as a log, like like yeah. like drawn out.
2: Yeah, and so I rode it the other day and I did like the sickest turn on it, but then like bottom turning, it was a bit funny, but apparently that was like the first one him and Bob did. Uh-huh. And so like yeah, he's working on heaps of wild stuff. It's good.
1: Yeah, I love every time that he comes here, he comes, like, he opens up his board back from the airport and it's always some fucking weird thing, like, he's done to his board or he has some, like, yeah. random thing. It's like, no, no, we have this, like, new n- nose concave thing we're doing with this, like, little bead thing. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? You
2: like can just talk for hours.
1: Yeah, Oh no, it's, <laughs> it's great. He's the one who actually got me to, like, ride it like want to ride a, that involvement model and i was yeah. lucky enough to ride one in north carolina a friend of mine has one yeah and it's still to this day i think the best surfboard i've ever ridden in my life like if i could get my hands on a 9-8 involvement here i would fucking lose my shit really it's I, like my favorite board it's like it works it's that it's little flip so in the good. tail and it's just like the bottom and it's like it just for the way i surf it just does everything i wanted to do
2: i like the involvement at point breaks but then not so much on like beachies but like on point breaks i feel like you're gonna get the best nose rides of your life it's it. like, so cool it just lifts it's so sick
1: yeah it's e- it's easier to ride oh this might be coming in huh,
2: huh.
1: Uh, are you guys gonna surf here uh no, probably not right That's oh, so a tide push. i don't know
2: all. santa was pretty fun so
1: you might just go back yeah, yeah. Um, Now, uh, you were telling me that you had a board that was made for you recently by McTavish that's kind of special.
2: Yeah, so, um, a few years ago, I asked um, Bob, I was like riding my old mountain, I love it so much. It's a 66 McDonough, who's an Australian shaper. I asked Bob to do a replica of it, and he was like frothing. He was like, "Yeah, like I'm so excited!" And he's like, "I'm gonna do it like all the way we did it in the '60s, like because it's stringless. He did it with sandbags to make the rocker, and then Wiz, who was a fin maker at McTavish for a really long time, he um, he did the fin for it." Uh But then he died like I guess he'd like just finished the fin and he died. Oh, man! but then um, So I guess like Billy the laminator was like didn't want to go into his room to find the fin so it kind of became like A long ordeal and then I guess like two years later. He finally went up grabbed the fin glassed it in and now I have this like Amazing replica of my old male that like three of like I'd say some of the most influential like, people in surfing in Australia, uh-huh. like shaping wise, kind of like all put together and it's like, that's pretty it's crazy. special. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's, that's a board you're never going to depart
2: with. Nah, Bob yeah. McTavish, Wiz, Billy McLean, like, oh. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs>
1: that's like heaven.
2: I know, I was like, and then I got it like after three years of waiting. And I was, like, too scared to surf it. It was just, like, <laughs> too
1: precious. Yeah, like, every time yeah, yeah. I go
2: to the beach and I see the crowds, and I'm just like, nah, I can't. Like, I can't bring it out in that. And yeah. then I finally surfed it, and I was like, ugh.
1: You just have to. It's sometimes, like, scary to have a board that's, like, too precious. I felt that way about, like, the Thomas board. Yeah. Like, because I'd been waiting for it so long. Yeah. And then, like, the first day I got it out, I dinged the fuck out of it. <laughs> like, $200 worth of repairs. Like Like, and then after that, I was like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. I mean, Joel is the one who told me that. He's like, you can't be precious about boards. He's like, they're made to be used. Yeah. He's yeah. like, if yeah, it, it lasts you six it. months, you're happy. Throw it out. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, at least that's what he told me. But then again, he buys like old boards, which I think is like, the truth. Outside of surfing, um, you are a chef. So how did you get interested in cooking? When, when, when did that start?
2: Um, I guess I've always been interested in cooking. Uh-huh. Um, like I've always loved cooking. And then... I don't know I kind of like s- tried to start uni and just didn't like it uh-huh. and then I was like I just want to start an apprenticeship I think I need to like really like learn hands on mm-hmm. I'm not like good with books I'd say yeah. <laughs> but um yeah and so I started my apprenticeship at a like a local restaurant in town which someone from the Mal club hooked me up with a job oh cool yeah so it's like a local like family restaurant and it's really like really nice really good people and so i just did my whole apprenticeship with them
3: uh-huh.
2: and yeah it was just like i think as soon as i started doing that it like felt right i was like i knew that's what i wanted to do
1: mm-hmm. yeah and so you worked there and are now what are you doing food wise
2: uh i i just finished like maybe six months ago in my apprenticeship and so I've just decided to, like, stay there for a bit. Oh, cool. Yeah, just because they're, like, <clears throat> super mellow, like, about me going, like, coming to America and, like, going overseas, whereas, like, I feel like lots of other chefs...
1: No, you would not. They'd nah, be like, no. Like, nah. nah, they'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I know. Nah. Like, oh, you want to go? You can go, but you can't come back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 there ain't going to be a place for you when you come back, but that's totally cool. Like, you're fine.
2: Yeah, no. So they're, like, really good to me in that aspect, which I'm really appreciate
1: and what part of cooking do you enjoy most do you enjoy the creation of recipes do you like the hands-on cooking like what what about it gives you like the most happiness when you do it
2: um i really like like the hands-on thing like like making bread and pasta Mm -hmm. um but i also do really like like creating dishes and like i don't know i get like heaps of inspiration from other chefs and like i love trying to put a get together a dish for a la carte so that's like like we open we're mostly weddings but then we do like a la carte service it's like a kind of like a degustation menu okay maybe like once a month or something oh cool and that's like seven courses and i love like oh, putting wow. together like a whole plate like from start to finish oh. and like working it out like testing things mm. like experimenting but i i think mostly i like i love making bread and pastries
1: so you're really into that side yeah i mean it's more like chemical based right in the sense of like it's very precise like you have to be yeah. so precise
2: but also like bread i think you need to like you get like a feel yeah yeah
1: well you look at like you know you can look all throughout europe right these like old women who've been making yeah. bread since they've been like there's no recipe there. Like yeah. they just know. Like yeah, they just they know. know how to. I mean, my grandmother was like that in Croatia. Yeah. Like she just put stuff on the table. It goes whatever, yeah. and she, every time was consistent. Yeah. And there's beauty to that. There's an interesting story about. Do you know who Alton Brown is? No he's this like kind of famous celebrity chef here in in, uh, the United States and he had this show called Good Eats and he approached food from more of like a scientific standpoint like to break down recipes and explain to people like hey this is what it's actually doing so people could and some people learned that i actually learned a lot from watching him yeah and he was talking about how his he's from the south and how his grandmother used to make biscuits right Mm -hmm. and she would give him the biscuits recipe and he would do it every single time like like use the same flour use every like he would like nail it nail it nail it and it would never come out the same and then he was like okay he's like i want to see what you're doing and stuff and what he realized was that she was mixing it by hand with her arthritic hands and because of how she was mixing it, that's how much oxygen was being incorporated, and he could never replicate that. Oh my god! And I thought, and that's the thing that, like, whenever I think about baking, like the feel thing yeah. you mentioned, that's what I think about because I'm like, he had the exact scientific recipe, and he couldn't match it. But it's how her hands were actually hands-on doing it. That's amazing. That did it stuff. So. That's you should, so wild. You should, his shows are kind of funny. Like they're yeah. like, like he gets like it doesn't. He does other stuff now, but he has a he has a baking book that's really cool. Oh
2: yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah, you should, you could probably find it used, it's pretty interesting. Uh, a lot of us who surf here, like you were talking about worm and stuff, we're all kind of like food, food-centric yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I think
2: that's why I love like, I think a lot of surfers, I mean like everyone kind of loves food, but like...
1: Cause you gotta eat, if you I know. <laughs> it's like Jesus.
2: But I, I know a lot of surfers who are like well into their cooking as well and it's like I know all my friends are so when I come here and we just like have like a big four-hour surf and it's like such a like I don't know kind of like a novelty like here going like tacos after and yeah it's, it's such it's so good I love it
1: yeah I mean especially like around here I mean you have the plethora of places are, are there any cuisines like when you travel like say you're coming to the United States, do you go search, search out like places? You're like, oh, I want to eat at this place. I want to eat at that place. You have a list, or do you just like go with the flow?
2: Um, there's like a few places that I really like, but I just I generally just like the Mexican here because we like don't have it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we like.
2: Yeah, like it's hard to find a good taco at
1: home. Which is kind of sad because it's like. Technically, it's one of the most simplistic things to make. I
2: know, and then like, people are blowing it. And then there's like a few places, and like, everyone's like, yeah, the tacos are good, and I go and eat there, and they're shoddy, they're soft, I'm just like...
1: I don't understand how you could fuck it up, like, to be honest. Like, even making your own tortillas, like with masa, is like one of the simplest things in the world. I know. And it's basic, it's like water and the masa mix, and...
2: I know, well, I just did a taco night at home recently, Uh and we did it, and it was like... They were pretty bomb like and they kind of just honestly I did it with a an American chef and
1: he, yeah I saw that thing you post on Instagram. That's yeah, why I was like curious.
2: Yeah, so start, like, he loves cooking Mexican food We just did everything like homemade like all our sauces, real tortillas And just like fresh stuff and everyone was frothing. And there was like a few Californians there And they were like, whoa, are you doing this like all the time and It's like we haven't had tacos like this in so long and I was like yeah, no, nah, it's like so much work.
1: <laughs> no, it's worth. Well, I was gonna say, I mean, before you head back, I mean, if if I were you, I'd pick up as many like dried chilies as I could.
2: Well, we have the dried chilies now cause we have oh, to buy them in bulk. Up. Oh, you so do? Yeah. So we actually there's like a there's like a Mexican wholesaler
1: like. How? But by how many kilos? Like, what's your limit? Like minimum?
2: Well, I don't know how many kilos it weighs, but it's like a. they're in a 10 liter bucket and it's full so it's like a lot of (laughs) we have to be committed we've got dried chilies (laughs) yeah i was like you got to
1: be committed
2: (laughs) but that's what was cool because like we kind of bought a few things in bulk so now we're like ready for the next one
1: see that's good yeah yeah i always tell people like mexican food is like my favorite cuisine i ran like an illegal mexican restaurant in brooklyn for because it's like like out of my house like, like it was basically you had to call a phone number and i would deliver to you like like i did that for like about a year it was fun because it was mostly like it was me cooking for my ex-wife who's from texas and then like she was like you could make money selling this shit. and i just did it so like i yeah. loved it like tamales and all that stuff and making sauces and everything and so, like, the dried chili thing, like, I'm, like, obsessed with. Like, whenever yeah. I find a Mexican market, like, in California that, like, has them, like, all different kinds, like, I just buy them, and my wife looks at me, and she's like, what are you going to do with these? I was like, I'll figure it out. Like, just buy them, get them in the house, you know, air pack them. Yeah. We'll fit, there'll be a day, I'll open this up, trust me, kind of thing. Um, surfing, traveling, competing, uh, anything else that you want to talk about or that you're into?
2: Um... No, I feel like we pretty much covered it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just like to surf and cook.
1: <laughs> yeah. And who are, now you're Byron Bay scene, who are some of the up and comers that you, you see coming out of there?
2: Um, I don't know. I just like, I honestly actually don't surf the pass. That much anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't really. I kind of surf at Lennox now. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so then all the groms there are like little short borders.
1: Oh. Yeah. So did they really get pissed at you for like getting in waves early before they can? Or,
2: nah, nah. They're, they're pretty show. mellow. Yeah. Like, it's just like a small town. But um, yeah. If I surf like the point at Lennox, so oh, I don't ride a log. Yeah. Like, I get a rock thrown at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I ride a mid-length. Like,
1: are you, what mid-lengths are you riding for Mcavish?
2: Um, I really like the the Rincon uh-huh. and the Sherpa. The Sherpa is a kind of newer model. It's like a mid-length, but it's it's kind of like a single fin, but it's got two little side bites, mm-hmm. which helps a lot surfing. A lot of the ways at
1: home. Yeah, because you like, guys have more aggressive stuff than we ever yeah. get here.
2: and so like at the point for me, like riding that with the side bites sometimes, it just means I like don't slip out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean sometimes those little bit of like, I guess we like to call them training wheels. Like sometimes, yeah. like on some boards you do need them. I mean, there's a reason a Bonzer was invented. Yeah. Like like those are technically training wheels like yeah. they look a little different but like honestly that's what it is yeah. it's keeping you in there i've seen i've seen video of harrison ride that sherpa model yeah like that looks fucking sick yeah
2: and i just tried the um the stewart street it's like a board it's it's kind of like a short board but it's like heaps of foam in it it's like
1: oh, okay it's of... just
2: like three kind of standard short board fins in it Uh huh. but it's really sick i guess bob he made it because um, when he was living at Lennox, uh-huh. and he shaped it because he called it the Stewart Street because everyone who lived on Stewart Street were the best surfers or something. <laughs> I love how he names boards. Yeah, by the way. It's the <laughs> he's best. Like, he's like, all the surfers like live on Stewart Street. So that's in the
1: name of the bottle. Yeah,
2: and I was like, cool.
1: Like the Rincon, the same kind, like just yeah, how they name every board. Like I always think it's like the best. Like when I read through their site and stuff, like I'm always like i out. I'm like oh well, okay, there you go. That makes sense. The <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah I've, I've been wanting to i hope that they bring boards here to be honest because i like any board that i've written like i've written chano's and i've read that involvement and stuff like it's they're just like the sickest boards like yeah and they're actually what everyone that's what was interesting about when thomas came here. like what thomas is doing is what everyone's trying to do here yeah that's why he was fucking book solid like yeah. it was just like okay like you know i mean well
2: i think plenty of people want mctavish boards here they just like it's just getting shipping them is like no, such an extra cost, no. and so it's like having a or it's like already like kind of an investment, and in that. But then like the shipping and co- like on top of that, it's just. It's like, like ridiculous. A,
1: no, no, it, it makes it <laughs> impractical. Like I want to get a Nusa Sixty Six. Like that's what I really want to get.
2: Yeah, um, have you tried it?
1: Um, I've tried someone's version of it. Right. And so it's like kind of an Americanized version. Yeah. And because there's no there's it's all roll right. It's like solid roll
2: yeah it's it's kind of i find it a bit hard than 66 yeah i like it but it is for a wave like noosa
1: yeah you need a speed wave yeah yeah that's been the problem like, like I- it's
2: like the best trim board yeah it's insane
1: yeah, someone I know made... So someone I know used to ride for, like, the American McTavish team back in the day. Right. And they used to ride the Americanized version. So he has a board company, and he made his version of it. Uh-huh. And I like boards that have roll. Like, Thomas made me a high pro log. Yeah. And, like, I can't surf that at Sano. Don't get me wrong. But, like, yeah. at Malibu, like, like chest and, and, and shoulder yeah, high yeah. Malibu, it's, like, the shit, Sick. you know? So I want... I. I basically know, like, I want that and I want, like, an involvement. Like, I want, like, a 9-8 involvement and, like, a 9-6 NUSA 66. Should try the- my nose
2: right on? Oh, is it th-
1: what, what size is it? 9-6? Nine 9-6? Six. Nine six. I'm going to leave small. it at
2: Michaela's house. Oh, you are to, to, yeah. to
1: be here? Yeah. Yeah, when you come. Because you so, mostly cause then stay I can with
2: just, the- Yeah, I can just have a board here.
1: Yeah, it's no... I mean, if you're coming twice a year... I, I yeah. do that with Hawaii. Like, the, the house we rent in Hawaii, like, has... Yeah. after like the first two years I was like fuck this. I know. Just leave it there. I was
2: like I just really don't want to bring this home and back again.
1: <laughs> no no it's a pain. yes and then you gotta pay all that and then oh god forbid like now what's happening with airlines they just like destroy your board. It's I know like, it's, like, it's like it's always
2: a risk and it's like you get it there and I feel like I got it here in like a piece <laughs> I'm gonna a... leave it here in a <laughs> piece let it stay here.
1: Maybe tomorrow and then I mean, everyone I...
2: can like borrow it and try it, you know. It's like a I think it's a good thing to have a McTavish
1: board here. I mean, I think what they need to do is, like, what Thomas is doing now. Like, his next thing is that he's... he's I guess he's shipping, like, a container full of boards. Oh, yeah. So he's not so doing that, it one yeah. by one. So it's, like, it's saving the money that way. So he's been taking a U.S. orders. Like, they're coming to San Diego, and he's like, hey, these are the boards, like, I'm going to make, and, like, I'm going to ship out there, kind of thing. Yes, yeah. I didn't have the money for, like... Because I'm trying to get a keeper from him, but I'm going to wait till... He's, like, coming sometime in the future again. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> when, he, when he does that. Sometime. Yeah, I don't want to say when. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he let a couple of people know. He was like, okay, this is what's happening. Yeah, fully. Yeah, and I was like, all right, good stuff. Because that went crazy when he came. It was like, it was actually pretty nuts. Um, so, I'm going to wrap this up with a couple of, like, just simple questions. Mm-hmm. Out of all the places you've surfed in the world, what is your favorite place and why?
2: Um... A tough call. It's like a tie for me between goes and Lennox, just like my two home breaks. I just think like I have surfed heaps of cool places but those two places are just special. Like goes I've had some of the like best surfs ever there and just like that's where I primarily like learnt to longboard uh-huh. and so I think it's just got like special get like paddling out of the cape like you get the longest wave of your life and then sometimes if it's big swell you like go all the way to the pass like it's incredible and then lennox i think when when you get a good wave at lennox it's like you you can't compare it like it's the i think it's one of the best it obviously is one of the best points in the world but to me it's like my favorite that i've surfed i find malibu like a bit slow
1: yeah, yeah, especially now. Like, I heard from other people that it's been a lot, like, in terms of, like, all that yeah, sand that shifted. it's in. super
2: slow, but, like, Lennox, you get a good one, and you, like, don't even have to, like, really do anything. You're just, like, going down the line. It's so fast, and it's just, like, it's the best.
1: Well, the thing now with Malibu, too, is it's, like, sectional yeah where it has that one that first that one first section like after the first point yeah I mean that's why everybody like sits like on the inside part it's like you're not going to ever get through that section like good enough to get like clean out of it no nah. which is kind of crazy
2: Malibu being a bit funky I think
1: yeah I mean it's what still it,
2: great though I love Malibu well
1: what's so happened that. in California in general is just like you know the last two years ago we've had so much rain that all these rivers has pushed so much debris and like now the tide has now and the ocean started pushing it back and just creating all this mess like there right. wasn't that much sand like when you would like look underneath the water in Malibu like over the rocks there wasn't that much sand before like yeah, that's no. all that's all new and, yeah. it's, and then that river project it's the same thing with like like church like church now has all these peaks it didn't have that before before it was just like it was almost like a Malibu it was like perfect like it was like you could hit that one peak and it just go around the bay perfectly yeah. now it's just like sectioning off in closing who would you like to thank and give shout outs to
2: um obviously McTavish they're the best. They like hook me up so well. And I guess like my work for letting me come here all the time. <laughs> Thank you. And uh I don't know, like all like my friends who make I think like all my surfing friends and my family. There you go.
1: Yeah, That's they all. are my family. They're the best. There you go. Alright. Right. Thanks for sitting down. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much to Rosheen for sitting down with us. I really find it interesting when you have surfers who have these other lives outside of surfing, these other careers. And for in her case, it's a culinary thing that she's just embarking on, and it's a very new thing for her. I really dig seeing multi-dimensional people who surf because how good they are at surfing is usually how good they are at the other things or are going to be eventually. But anyway, enough of my talk. I want to get back into the tracks and I'll come back in with an interview I did with Thomas Loden. Peace!
4: Leaves falling in Then you were something like a dream
1: Welcome back to the Bodega Border Crew Podcast volume 55 hope you've been digging the spiel the interview the tracks the whole deal you know how it is but let's do a little housekeeping this is the bodega border crew podcast make sure to check us out on instagram at bodega border crew make sure to check out our page bodegabordercrew.com for merch news blogs the whole deal also make sure to check out this episode description on your itunes play for track listings and links to things that we're talking about I was able to sit down with Thomas Loden while he was in town here promoting his book Impressions. Thomas is a very interesting surf photographer. I thought he was gonna be a lot older judging from his work because it's so artistic and deep. But we sit down, we talk about his beginnings, surfing, BMXing, the whole thing, and then what his book means to him.
0: What's your name and where are you from? So my name is Thomas Loden. I'm from North France, like a city an hour from the ocean. Okay, Northwest of France. Okay and I live for five years in Garretts. Okay. South-west of France. But you
1: grew up in the north
0: yeah. Yeah, part I grew up far from the ocean. Okay. Hour,
1: far. Well like decently, like not on the coast and stuff. So originally you got into BMX before you got into surfing. How did that happen?
0: But uh, just being like a kid in a small village next to the city, in the 90s so internet was not here uh-huh. so we were just hanging out outside on the bags, and eventually the BMX came in uh-huh. so it took me and was just right in the street with the, my friends.
1: <laughs> well, who was like who were some of the people like who were pro at that era that you guys saw? Because
0: like, um, so that was
1: like what what year was that?
0: Uh, it was like uh, more in just 2000. Like 2000 because I was born in 92 so I was like, I started BMX 110 or something like that. So 2002, 2005.
1: So Dave Mirra is pretty big. Of course, yeah, Dave that- Miro,
0: Matt Hoffman. Yeah. Um, too many guys. But that whole... The Ram of- guys, the street ones.
1: Who was that one guy that used to um, ride? Ramp all the time. Best week is that his name Jamie. Bestwick? Jamie Best week. Yeah, yeah, he was like insane. I was looking for these names. Yeah, uh, he used me. to do flares and shit. Yeah, dude, that's like. And yeah, cra- I think
0: he's still around.
1: Yeah, yeah, doing a flare on a BMX <laughs> bike seems like the crazy. I'd rather jump off a cliff. Like that just seems like it's so insane yeah. that when they started. Do- I remember I watched X Games and see that I'm like no, like the tail whip. Like my era is like I BMX like in like way before you we were born. So like '86. So it's like we were just starting to do rolling tail whips and then like yep. they started doing them in the air and then when I started seeing the like, the, the flare stuff I was like this is... And the flare
0: whips and- No, no, it's like too much like it's like a circus sure trick They it's were like- crazy in the world like doing like crazy airs well. So big
1: Yeah, and the street guys were going... like when I started... because we mostly... Um, we first started flat landing and yep. then we got into street biking because we grew up in new york mm-hmm. and uh like our first street biking was like chain ring grinds and like peg grinds like nothing crazy and now it's like you see like what they do in street bmx i'm like i don't even know like i can't even i don't even know what the hell is
0: going on yeah man. the level like like really really up.
1: it was crazy so how did you get into surfing
0: uh so i was like living in an hour from the ocean and my grandparents I had a a house Uh next to the sea, Uh so I spent all my summers, like during the months or something like that. Okay. Like with my cousins and we were like playing, playing in the ocean always with the body balls and stuff and I was watching the X Games for the BMX uh-huh. and so they were also the surfing side of the X Games Oh yeah, they
1: started doing that, yeah Like Rob Machado was like surfing and Kelly Slater Yeah, yeah, it was that era. I don't
0: remember what the contest was or where it was I but think they just did it like a or some shit Yeah, and I mixed like all the sports so I was like BMX, surfing, so it was kind of a dream you know, you were like seeing all the BMX scene and the freestyle in the US and then yeah. surfing so it was a, Kind of the same mix so the bodyboard so I was I was talking I was like maybe 12 or something like that uh-huh. 13 it's always a dream uh, and then I didn't get I didn't have a driving license at this okay. age because you have a you obtain your driving license at 18 years old in France uh-huh. so I was just like cruising on my bike and then my uh, my brother started surfing uh, and I was so jealous, <laughs> oh, I want to surf, but I don't know where to go, I don't have any board, I'm not working, I don't have any money, yeah. and it was like an hour. So he offered me a sur- uh, like a six, whatever shot board uh-huh. that he rebuilt that was broken into because it was working like in a, a boat. Um, like a marine, yeah. marina kind of shop? Yeah. He was a like, boat architect. Uh-huh. And he was working on boats also, doing uh, repairs and whatever. So he offered me the boards and he was like, I'm taking you surfing. 16, yeah, oh, 16 wow. years old. So I remember he told me, Oh, go to your room, I have something for you. And I saw the surfing. like, No way. It was like
1: just glowing. It like
0: So that's basically how it started. Oh, cool. Took me surfing and. I started eating the whitewash uh-huh. <laughs> for a years. This, and
1: this was not in Bayer Ritz, but... Uh. No,
0: it was like uh, just an hour from the ocean in Nantes. Okay. So it was like the it's not well known really spot. Uh-huh. After, after that, I was surfing in Brittany, an uh-huh. hour and a half and in the Vendée, just the uh, south region. And that's
1: where it's like a little bit more consistent for yeah. France? Yeah. So how is it that, because I'm not very familiar with the surf scene in, in, in France, I know it's it's gotten bigger in the last like 10-15 years. Yeah, it's getting, Obviously yeah. like everywhere else, like all these pockets like France, Cornwall in England, and like you mm-hmm. Japan, it's going. How, were there a lot of people in the water when you started surfing?
0: There were a bunch, yeah, for the small surf spot that we had, uh-huh. and they are still there. Yeah, there were a bunch of people here yeah, already. Okay. Like, starting, or, yeah, like, maybe the beach was not really big, and we were, like, maybe 30 in the Okay, that's so pretty already, good. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and when did uh, photography enter into your world? Like, how, like, when did that happen for you?
0: So photography entered through BMX because okay. uh, so I was like you know cruising on the street with my friends and my parents. I don't remember how how it came, but they offered me like the the small bridge cameras uh-huh. that they were doing. Yeah, the first one was a Kodak. I remember. Yeah, yeah. So I just took it with me in my bag when I was uh, doing BMX, and I started shooting my friends and some videos, and was not really like good it uh-huh. was not, I think really shitty at the nah, time yeah. I don't but think I, anybody's good when they first start doing yeah, it and I wasn't I wasn't thinking about it it was just to get memories with my friends and like the thing went on and on I just wanted to do bigger picture was taking care of the Sun and like doing some angles like laying on the ground uh-huh. and trying some things so I kept that and the BMX scene in Nantes was kind of big we had like a big indoor skate park yeah with a huge big and big uh, big skate park so the guys were like really good up there so I was taking picture of them more and more and still like I wanted to get uh, improve my Uh photography yeah without thinking about it Uh and I eventually like get picture uh, published in the French BMX magazine. Oh cool. At the time it was Soul BMX uh-huh. that I was buying of course and I was like looking at all the pictures of the crazy trips that the guys were doing in the US and uh-huh. the tours with the, with the uh, shoe brands and all the clothing brands. So I got some photos published so it fueled the passion. And then, uh, so I started surfing with that, Uh still doing BMX. So obviously I had the camera with me Uh doing BMX. So while surfing, I was like, we were going surfing and I was taking pictures of the lineup and the Uh sunsets. So I I kept that and um, I bought like afterwards the small disposable waterproof cameras. Oh cool. (laughs) To start and yeah, I'm still doing it.
1: No, I've always wanted to kind of mess around with those because I do a lot of stuff with the, like, I buy Ilford 400 disposable cameras all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's the first film. Like, I remember it's when perfect. I went to school, like, that, that's the first film they give you. They're like, hey, just, it's fine. It's black and white film, high contrast. You could develop it anywhere. It's pretty easy to deal with. And now they've been producing, like, these black, these disposables. They're cheap. They're like, yeah, it's $90. 7 bucks yeah. even. Like, I buy them on eBay, and I'll buy, like, a box of them. And I just, that's what I shoot with. Um, but I've been thinking about, I'm bummed that they don't have a waterproof version of it because I love that film. And the only yes. waterproof ones I'm finding are like, like those shitty Kodak ones. And yeah. like, I don't like how the film, like when it gets... Yeah, the
0: colors th- can be weird.
1: Yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this doesn't even look good. Like I tried shooting one. I'm like, oh, like not g- Not good. Uh, when you were starting to shoot uh, surf photography, were you looking at any other surf photographers for inspiration
0: um,
1: or were okay. you just doing your own thing?
0: No, I think I was looking for, like, other French photographers at first. Okay. photographers. Because I was buying, after the BMX magazine, I was uh-huh. buying the surf uh-huh. magazines of France. And so I was looking, yeah. So basically I did my studies, uh-huh. like basics, uh, high school, and the scientific thing. Uh-huh. And I was, <laughs> I wanted to be a vet. <laughs>
1: that's noble I don't think yeah. there's anything wrong with that
0: but with yeah yeah but with BMX and surfing I started to shoot picture and making like block spot that was at the time uh-huh. Uh huh. doing t-shirt graphics oh cool and uh, so went on and on and I got some clients so I'm just I'm, uh, doing a I'm talking uh, No, no, it's fine. I
1: mean, look, this <coughs> is what this is about. Like, you can totally go on so a tangent. So
0: uh, I was looking at all the f- so photographers. Yeah, there was one. Uh, Damien Poulneau, who had, like, a c- good big agency at the time in France, uh-huh. called Aquashot. They were, like, working for Roxy.
1: Oh, so uh, they were shooting for the brands. Yeah, for the oh, brands.
0: And the magazines, the, uh, so the ESP at the time, uh-huh. and all that. So there was, like, a Damien Poulneau in France. Sylvain Casnav, who is uh, also a well-known... Uh, French photographers, who was working with all the Americans in Hawaii also, winter and stuff like that.
1: Oh, it's cool. And did you did you get advice from anybody, uh, any of those people? Uh,
0: at first not, but with my studies, so I, I got my degree in science, just, uh, you know, the back in France. So yeah. I just, uh, I don't know, the, the equivalent in... Like the a America. bachelor's of science, basically, yeah. yeah. So then you had to do like, uh, after, college, after high school, uh-huh. you know, college. So I went to a graphic arts school. Okay, like, so you private. went to design school. Yeah, okay. design school. So I switched totally from vet to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the vet ID to yeah. graphic arts. And so we had to do like a internship. Uh-huh. So I directly asked Damien for an internship. Oh, okay. And he was in huh. And I was studying in Nantes. So I went for six months in internship with him. Uh-huh. So I learned basically all I know from him. Now uh-huh. was uh, really like teaching me all the things, and that's how I started shooting in the water.
1: I was gonna say because that's not something you just randomly jump into. You no,
0: know? no, you jump into with the disposable waterproof, yeah, but yeah, then you have to like do the big step with the well, there- water housing and camera.
1: Well, I I mean, I know anytime I've talked to people who do it and been around people that do it, there's just so many angles to it in terms of, like, the photography side of it, having a good eye, Mm -hmm. knowing when to be in the lineup. Like, you know, the other day, Tatsuo was, like, was shooting in the water at at San and It was Mm -hmm. just, like, like, anytime I see a water, like, if someone's shooting in the water, it freaks me out. Because they pop out of nowhere, like especially like Malibu. Like I surf at Malibu all the mm-hmm. time, and you'd be going down the line, and all of a sudden, just a camera comes out, and you're like, "Where? Whoa!" And it freaks me out. But to be in that position, to like know when to do that, put your arm out, and take mm-hmm. the shot. I mean, it seems intense.
0: Yeah, it helps when you know how to surf. I think because you know what the surfer will do, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Even if you're not like really good in surfing, but oh. you know what the waves will do well where the waves would break, the current, the rip, and so it helps a little bit. And then you have to like go in the water and shoot and shoot and shoot.
1: And be willing to stay cold. Just, yeah, I mean, because you guys are out there a while. How important is it for you, with your photography and surfing, to, uh, to develop relationships with the surfers themselves?
0: Uh, for me, it's really important. Okay. Um, I always ask someone to shoot uh, because I knew them from like a guy or a friend, or fr- right. a friend of a friend, and I like his style or her style, uh-huh. and there's no like uh, question about money because uh-huh. I know that a lot of photographers are like asking for surfers for money. Hey, I took a picture. Give me five bucks or yeah. whatever. And I wasn't really into that. Uh-huh. Um, for me, like the surfer. Does uh, 50% of the job, uh-huh. and the photographer does the other 50. It's very true. It. and maybe the surfer does more than the photographer yeah. sometimes. So knowing the the guys uh, allows us, allow me to uh, have more perspective and more intimate relationship, mm-hmm. and so the photos comes up like much better, I think.
1: Yeah, probably because like for instance like a surfer like JJ, you know what he's going to do like you know his body movement, So you know when he's setting up for a bottom turn or if he's yeah. going to walk, you know or if he's going to nose ride You kind of know in your head. Hey, this is going to be I see his feet moving this way. I need yeah. to angle that thing Exactly,
0: and it, it's much more interesting to Know the people than the person behind the surfer. Yeah Just like on the just like taking picture of mm-hmm. everybody at the beach and trying to sell it
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I've seen it a lot from the skateboarding side of things. Like, I noticed the photographers, like, I always use the example of, like, um, this guy, Gabe Morford, and he shoots all the stuff for all the deluxe brands, like, real crooked and all that mm-hmm. stuff and he has individual personal relationships with each one of the skaters and i think that's why he gets such great photos of them like he there's like a sinking right there's like a personality sink where it's like they intimately know each other and he's like not only do they, does he know what they're going to do and when but there's just a, a vibe
0: yeah you know exactly. i find
1: that i find that you know i see that with like people like tetsuo like tetsuo has a good relationship with the people he shoots and i've seen the opposite end of it like there's like what you're talking about, these other people. Like, there's tons of people up in, in like Los Angeles who just shoot yeah. all day long, and they have no relationship with the surfers no. so they just shoot random shit, and it doesn't look good. Like you're sometimes
0: like sometimes it do looks good. But
1: yeah, but it's like on the most part, it doesn't have. Um, how can I explain it? There's no soul behind it. You know, it seems very vacant. It seems very much like you might as well have turned on the surfline cam. Like I'm like, okay, you got a good angle, but that's not me yeah. per se. Um
0: But that's different side of photography. Yeah, because I, I mean, get it and I understand what the point of view of the guys but yeah I'm not really into that.
1: No, and that's what I was gonna say. So so transitioning to that, your photography is very artistic and like some people like to use it as a negative word, I use yep. it as a positive word, like it's very beautiful looking and how I mentioned when you walked out before I was flipping through your book and I was like, Oh that's worm. Like I didn't have to even like see her face, it's her silhouette, I know it's her, boom, like kind of thing and I see that a lot in your work. Are there any influences outside of surf photography that made you want to go that way?
0: Uh, yeah, many things like all the, all the things that surround me uh-huh. can be like inspiring from like the movies, uh-huh. TV shows, music, a lot mm-hmm. of music. For this book, uh, the music was really like into the, into the thing of making the book.
1: So what, what from the music side, what, ins- like, what kind of music inspired you for this uh,
0: book? This one was really into jazz. Okay like Most of it yeah.
1: Like what, what kind of stuff Like Blue Note stuff
0: Yeah Blue Note All the Like Coltrane uh-huh. Davis uh, Chet Baker uh-huh. All the classic ones The yeah. good stuff
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: People don't like to say I, I will be the first one To be like <laughs> The good stuff So is that why You spit, split your blue uh, your book Into blue, white, red Was that a big Thing uh, behind it was not,
0: No Not for music uh, So the book uh, At first Wasn't my idea I didn't plan to make a book at my age, uh-huh. I was I'm not as like, uh, how do you say that? Seasoned? No, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not that pretentious yeah. to do a book because I'm young and yeah. wasn't into the project. But the the relationship that I have with Oxpo, uh-huh. the French brand that I'm working for, uh, they wanted to make a book about my work. And they came up with the idea two, year, two years ago, yeah, two years and a half now, and they wanted me to do a book about what we've done, like, from the couple years we worked together. Oh, so a
1: lot of that work is stuff you shot for them?
0: A couple. Okay. A couple. But, uh, so I wasn't really, in a, the idea was kind of scaring me uh-huh. <laughs> of doing no, a No, it's intimidating. Because it's, uh, like, a lot of responsibility, and I, I didn't know what to do. How to make that, or what to put in the in the book? So I just kept the idea and they die a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I shot uh, one more year, and I traveled a lot for them, like doing all the camping stuff in the U.S. They allowed me to do my first trip to California.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, almost three years ago now. Okay. And so I met a lot of people um, from that. Uh-huh. I shot a lot. Uh, yeah, in California, Mexico. Portugal, Spain, France, of course, and so the idea from, was from them. So I gather all the photos that I've done from the last three years, uh-huh. because, like, I started working for them three years ago. It's okay. The fourth now, and so I came up with uh, from three to four thousand photos. Uh huh. Whoa. <laughs> so I came up at the office and <laughs> I said, hey, I will need some help at some <laughs> yeah, point. I would say. I'm not gonna be able to do that on my own. Yeah. So with the marketing director of the brand, uh-huh. we came, like, we saw, we watched all the photos, and he has like a really good eye in in photography and in videos uh-huh. because he was in the doing that before. And so he he came up with the idea of colors, uh, seeing my photos, all the photos. So. We had to take an angle from the book, uh-huh. and I was really into colors, so I was like, okay, let's do yeah. it. Let's try it. Yeah. So I selected the blue, the white, and the reds. Okay. And so it came up really good. So we selected like 150 photos. Oh, okay. And it's uh, a parallel with the brand because they launched uh, a premium clothing collection uh-huh. that's called 1985 from the year of uh, birth of the brand.
1: So they used to, they had that they have that logo that's a yeah, surfboard a, with, a yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. with a french flag in it. Yeah yeah yeah. With the french
0: flag in it, so blue white red. It's funny cuz
1: I saw someone wearing it. And I thought it was like an old Tommy Hilfiger shirt. I was like, yeah. "Oh, I was like, that's sick you have a Tommy Hilfiger surf shirt." They're like, "No, no, no, this is this brand for France." I'm like, "Oh, that's even cooler. Like that's <laughs> pretty sick. Like I'm into that."
0: So that's really low related with that. And uh, uh, it was like I, had, uh, I could do whatever with the book. Yeah. I had like uh, free I was totally free to do. The yeah, like you get free,
1: free reign. What you want to do?
0: So the 150 photos are from the time that I spent traveling, uh-huh. shooting for the brand because there's Clovis Donizetti involved in it a lot yeah. because I've shot a lot with, with him the last three years. Uh-huh. I didn't know him at first, but we... that's yeah.
1: who had the shirt, by the way.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. he me. Was at the Duck tape?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I was he was one of the judges, and I was like, I was talking to him, I was like, whoa, that shirt is sick, and then he had explained. I felt like an idiot, like I was like, oh, I didn't know, <laughs> uh, so it was kind of funny.
0: So there's like many people? Uhhuh. I think I have many phone. Hmm. So there's many people from California, Mexico. Uhhuh. And so not really for the content that I've done for Oxbo. Uhhuh. So I'm, I was totally free and I totally forgot what I was about to say. about the colors <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> so it wasn't my idea at first was no but it's a great writer? it's a
1: great way to split up the content mm-hmm. like like now that you're se- telling me like a creative director came up with that like I could get that like I'm like they looked at the whole thing and they kind of like what, what's the narrative we tell here I
0: had this I had this at first but mm-hmm. I didn't notice it because I was really into too much in my photography mm-hmm. and I couldn't see what could be best to do yeah So it's a uh, video have time to select photos. It's yeah, yeah. a nightmare.
1: <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Editing your own work, I think, is the artist's biggest challenge. I think with any artist, the ones who are like the really, like, if you want to talk about anyone from like Keith Haring to Picasso to Jean, uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat, what. What I think their greatest talent, and this is me personally believing this, is that they're better editors and artists, like they're amazing artists, but they're able to know what to show and what yeah. not to show, and that's the hardest part, because you you either hate all your artwork and then you're yeah. not going to show anything, or you love all of it, and then you want to show it, like, like you are saying, you came in with these thousands of photographs, and like you're like, I love all of this, and someone's like, okay, we got to calm down,
0: take <laughs> yeah. it back, and see what we can do with that. Yeah, yeah,
1: like, let's we can't put out a book this big, it's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, are you shooting mostly film or digital?
0: Both. both, but for this book, it's mostly mostly digital. Okay. The colors, and I have like uh, between five and ten shots in taken in film. Okay, cool. And
1: are you mostly shooting digital now? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot easier. I mean, especially. I still
0: st- like shoot both. Uh huh. Um, especially in California.
1: Now you're you're here in the states doing a couple of book signings. Yeah. Do you have any more coming up, or uh,
0: mm-hmm. I suppose I'm supposed to go to the or shop. Oh, next cool! Saturday? Next Saturday. Yeah. Okay. I have no news, but
1: supposedly. Yeah. Supposedly.
0: Yeah. Supposedly. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so I did yeah, the exhibition last Friday. That was perfect. It's the first time I was doing that yeah. in the US, so Oop. it was kind of a <laughs>
1: <split>. <laughs> <laughs> well. A lot of people showed up, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm yeah. bummed. I, I couldn't make
1: it as we've discussed before, yes. uh, but you're now you're starting to shoot some video as well. So so that's happening with Oxbow, correct?
0: Uh, yeah, I've been always shooting videos uh, before working for them, uh-huh. and then I stopped because I wanted really wanted to focus on my photography. Yeah, and I didn't want it to be disturbed like doing many things and just like focus and improve my uh-huh. work. And then you need a couple of videos, so I started like shooting couple of videos, just for fun, but it's not really like...
1: Because you did that Josh Hall one, right? The one yeah. where he's shaping the fish. Like, that's the one I saw. And then there was another one after that. I forgot that I saw.
0: Um, I've shot, uh, we spent like a month Clovis in Australia. There's yeah. Clovis, yeah. In Australia, yeah. Yeah. on the glider.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know how people ride those things, but... Uh, oh,
0: it's, it's the best thing on the... It's so scary.
1: Devin tried to get me to ride his, like, skip fry, and I was like, no. You can't <laughs> refuse it. <laughs> no, but I was like, <laughs> so well, skip. no, 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 two things. What if I fuck that up? That's on me. Yeah, I didn't want that to, at Malibu low tide. I was like, no, 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 <laughs> like, no, no, thank you. I don't I, want to
0: put it. No, I'm,
1: I'm not gonna be responsible for this thing. And second, when I saw how big it was, like in person, I was like, yeah, this is a lot of board that I don't know what to do with. I mean, he,
0: just do nothing. Yeah,
1: that. See, that's my problem. I'm too spastic, so like I can't. Like I, I just like to run everywhere. Um, do you find that film is something you want to go more into, or do you want to still stay in photography?
0: Um, I want to explore, but just like for fun. Like shooting. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Uh-huh. And no, The Joshua video that you yeah. saw for Oxbow, I didn't tell them that I was shooting videos. Oh, cool. So it was mainly photos at first. They didn't want it for the, for the game with the three fishes to win. Yeah. So I sh- I've shot in videos. I edit the whole thing with the music and all the finished stuff, uh-huh. the finished product. I sent it to them. And I just say, if you like it,
1: take yeah. it,
0: otherwise, yeah. you don't care. <laughs> I
1: think that's sometimes the best work comes from that, where you're not like, you're just kind of like doing it for fun, yeah. like, it's kind of the best way yeah, to do no it.
0: Yeah, no pressure, no guidelines. Yeah. So, no worry. Yeah, Here. we'll see in the future what I, but yeah. I'm going to stick for sure for the photography.
1: So what do you, are you working on something next, or is it just really like taking a break? Uh,
0: so for now, mostly with the book, and uh, try to sell it a little bit, uh-huh. and more in the US, of course. And uh, so I'm currently with uh, my friend Mathieu, uh-huh. in California. So I'm shooting with him. Maybe a video will come out. We'll uh-huh. some photos, and the next project will be. Maybe something around film photography, cars and old surfboards. Is-
1: cars and old surfboards? So is that something else you're interested in, cars?
0: Yeah, Yeah, I'm really into it. I've always like... I grew up, you know, um, BMX, so I yeah. was into the California-US freestyle stuff. Uh-huh. And as European kids, you, you see all the movies and you dream about California and the US. Yeah. So obviously, the cars. I'm fan of the 60s era, so whatever is surfboards, music. It all ties cars. in. Yeah.
1: Because you guys surfboards. have that. What's that festival you guys have in, in France? Wheels and
0: Waves. Yeah.
1: See, that looks really fun.
0: Yeah, it's more motorcycle. Yeah, more,
1: more motorcycle. But it's like that era, right? They try to capture everything. I think that's the thing that people forget, you know, about surfing is that there's a lot of this like cross-pollination of eras. You know, people are like, hey, I'm into like 60, 70 surfboards. But it's not just surfboards. It's music. Yeah. It's fashion, cars, cars, the whole thing.
0: The way you dress. Yeah. yeah.
1: So. I mean, you don't want to look like totally retro, but you're kind of like like into it. But, you know, obviously now you're, you're here for a little bit. Um, so I'm going to close this up with a question I ask everybody If you had to pick one place to surf that you've surfed in your life as being your favorite place What would it be and why? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I ask everybody the same question uh,
0: Next question? Uh. <laughs> I don't know The next one? <laughs> we surf? Yeah We'll see, I don't know You don't know? Yeah Home is perfect in a way yeah. Here it's perfect in a way and Australia is perfect in a way Obviously. and the next destination would be perfect in a way so.
1: see that's a good answer awesome and do you want to thank anybody in closing?
0: Uh, yeah um, first I'm just gonna be sorry for my accent
1: <laughs> <laughs> no 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 Yours <laughs> and my that. English because no.
0: it can be really painful sometimes no no it's good it's so fine so I try to do my best your
1: English is probably better than mine so don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: not sure about that <laughs> but I want to thank uh, you thank for you. the time and all the people that got involved in my friend in California like Serena for the art show JJ uh, and Oxbow for the book it's uh, really a good gift and i pretty happy i that so awesome Well, thanks for sitting down with us. Thanks a
1: lot. Thanks so much to Thomas for sitting down with us. I got a copy of the book. I really love it. I love how it's split up into these different colors and that's the art director in me responding to that because I dig that kind of organization. I think it's one of those books that you need to have around. I also think the video work that he's working on is really interesting for it being some of his early video work. So I can't wait to see where it goes. But enough of me talking. I wanna get back to the tracks. I wanna get back to some more stuff. and I'll check in with you guys in a little bit with some short tapes, peace.
5: Energy. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's big things going on, man. Check it out, yo. It's unfortunate how niggas be missing the point With joints we rock, bound to keep the crowd on lock Bringing the grunge to the mosh pit Rock this like babies in craters Plus skill willed and able to control crowds I slap box with the beat Stick and move while I try to out-hustle defeat I know the word on the street is that we can't be stopped Way above the competition so we can't be dropped It's the way that we rock Shake planets out of orbit That got fools thinking about a forfeit Rhyme audit You'll pay tax on the words you bought Cause if you're thinking in this sport Then you will get caught as for me, I rock to these rugged melodies. What you telling me to test my skills A straight felony? I'm rolling with the PR sound, straight fan, making this a monumental jam, collect the side of y'all. Holding it down, crap lover, soul controlling the sound, taking it damn, it's so rare. In these
6: days of fake MCs and season DJs, a lot of fans are digging their own graves. Holding it
5: down, Pete Rock, soul controlling the sound, taking it damn, it's so rare. In these days of fake MCs and season DJs, Uh, uh, I don't pop shit cause life's too real for that But I bubble like champagne and tickle your brain Stimulated by the raw, sub beats from crate digging Getting paid for the shows we do is great living Still making ill tracks, in fact, still making impacts The people react, thus, begins the shower of the accolades Back in the days, it wasn't like that, earned our way Nowadays, we facing a whole new generation But we lacing, giving it straight with no chases at the pace But something besides the rat race, letting these beats around Rhymes just ease your mind. What takes place? Believing you want in the neck grace. Vibrate your vertebrae with all kinds of bass. Yo. Six twenty one seventy plus nine eleven seventy one equals a jam. Well done. Like yeah. Holding it yeah. down. Rap lover soul controlling the sound. Taking it there it's so weird And these days of fake MCs and DJs, a lot of fakes. thinking they own grace. Holding it down. Pete Rock soul controlling the sound. Taking it there it's so weird And these days are fake MCs and DJ's, a lot of phase, they A lot of fiends that think they their own graves. Uh-huh. Yeah, y'all don't get it. Collect this item, y'all. Something rare. Mean rock. Rap lover, Kevin Brown. shout out to my four changes and the fam
1: is up everybody welcome back to the bodega border crew podcast volume 55 hope those tracks have been sitting well like i said it's a little different than my normal thing but let me know what you think you know i have a very eclectic music taste and i go down these wormholes from time to time and lately this has been the wormhole that i've been going down i also think me putting it out as a podcast episode is an exorcism of way because it gets it out of my system and i'll move on to something else but let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew podcast, volume 55. Make sure to check us out on Instagram, at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our website, bodegabordercrew.com, where we have merch, we have information, we have a blog, we have some other stuff that we'll be putting on, so make sure to check it out. Also, make sure to check out the full episode description on your iTunes player for track listings and things that we're talking about. And what are we talking about this week? Well, here's a couple of the short takes. The first short take I have this week is a video that's been put out by Kevin Jensen, otherwise known as Robots From. It's called It's Your Island. It's basically a little short surf film about 10 minutes long that he put together all around the San O scene. You know, you have Andy Niblis in it. You have Summer Richley in it. You have Nick Melanson, Michaela Smith, Hallie Rohr, Eva Levy, Karina Rosanko, all these people. I love Kevin's work. I'm a big fan. I like his personal work that he does like this where it's just pure love work. This isn't his commercial work. A couple of reasons I really dig his work. One, it's not your usual surf film stuff. There's not like some a La track or some like retro-ish sounding folky thing or surf rocky thing. There's none of that stuff. He picks really interesting music. He also has interesting con- concepts and interesting voiceovers that is coming from avant-garde film versus surf film and you see it somewhat sprinkled in his commercial work because he can't really do too much of that in his commercial work but in his personal work like this you really see it shine. So definitely check out this video. It's awesome to watch on a big screen since it's on Vimeo you can watch it on Apple TV on your TV or you can just watch it on your phone if you want. But we have a link to it and I hope you guys enjoy. Next up is a couple of clips from the duct tape invitational in Japan. Uh, This was the end of the season for the Duct Tape Invitational. They had about four events, I believe, this year. Four or five. And I know from going to the Rockaway one, there's big plans for next year that are a little hush-hush. But it was really awesome to see everybody out in Japan. The waves weren't ideal, but the beauty of the Duct Tape Invitational is you have really talented surfers that could take a really small or really basic or really silly wave and turn it into something. Andy Niblis one for the guys. Honolulu Bloomfield one for the women. It's great to see Andy win again. I know he won, I think, back in Spain or Portugal. Seeing how he surfed there, there's no question that he deserved to win. So check out the video clips that I linked. They're from a bunch of random people that uploaded them to YouTube. So the quality is not the greatest. It's not official Vans quality, but it's worth a look. And the last short take I have this episode is a clip of Barrett Miller for Nobody Surf Originals. If you don't know Nobody Surf, Nobody Surf is this app that's basically an aggregator of surf films and they have it for your phone, they have it for your tablet, they also have it for your Apple TV, which is amazing. And it aggregates all the latest surf content all different kinds of stuff. You have amazing search criteria that you could use and pull up like Joel or Devin or anybody you want to do. So it's pretty cool. But what they've been doing is a series called Nobody Surf Originals. They did one with Devin and the latest one that's popped up is with Barrett Miller. Barrett Miller is a San Clemente surfer and shaper who is amazing. I mean, what I love about his surfing is that basically he could surf any kind of board. And for me, that's a true surfer. And he surfs based on the conditions. You'll see him at Sano surfs a big log that he's made for those conditions and then you'll see him surf a small tube shooter in beach break tubes. In this video he shoot, surfs a couple of boards uh, and you could see his style really come out through the boards that he's shaping. I love watching him surf. I think he's a great kid. I think the boards he's shaping are amazing and he's doing a bunch of the ones for Joel as well. So make sure to check out this video and make sure to support people like Nobody Surf. Well, that's it for this episode. It's been a long one. It's been a funky one. Music's been a little different. I like departing from the normal hip hop stuff, to be honest, and going into some other tangents. All the music I usually pick has some kind of urban influence or was present in the urban experience that I had. And I think that's the main theme that goes along. I also want to remind everybody, make sure to go to the Innocence Beach Break Boogie Party in either Vista or St. Augustine this Saturday. It's going to be fun. I'm going to be there. A bunch of people are going to be there. Hopefully, some of the winners will be there. I know some of the people have won. I'm, I'm keeping my mouth shut. Obviously, I picked my illest fade person. But anyway, this episode has been long enough. I want to end on a couple of tracks and our famous words, which are, there's no need to bust a craze on a wave. Go out there, have fun, smile each other, try not to snake each other. If you drop in, pull out. Have a good time. I'll see you out there. Peace."
4: But I lay upon the ground